Praise the Lord, everybody. Good morning. It was good to be in the house of the Lord and good to see all of you here this morning. Um, let's see here. So today is the one week uh, birthday of our of our son. And so he is at home with my wife and uh, he's doing very well. Both of them are home quickly and healthy. And so thank you so much for all of your prayers and uh, texting me things of, of that nature. And I'm so glad um, you always get so nervous, so I want to use the word scared, but <clears throat> a little nervous around that time when, you're, when your wife is about to deliver, and you know that process can be very scary. A lot of things can go awry, but I'm thank, thankful that God keeps his hand on us and, and his eye on us and uh, brought us home. We got to go home a lot sooner than, um, than uh, 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 we did with, 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 with uh, Naomi, and so, um, but they're doing well. Thank you so much. Also, um, Brother Grant asked me, is he getting plenty of sleep? He's getting plenty of sleep, and we're hardly getting any sleep. So, uh, and Brother Brandon knows exactly what I'm talking about. So, um, our kids, thank you so much. I just want to reiterate, I won't keep you standing long, um, but our kids ha- had a wonderful time. Um, Brother Grant spoke about it, um, mo- said mostly the things that I was going to say, and I want to thank you again so much for all of you that have given sacrificially and I've done done that to allow our kids to have this life-changing experience um, and I'd want to give a special thanks to uh, to brother Grant and a couple weeks ago he made a statement where he said uh, he, he didn't have anything to do with this and it took everything inside of me uh, not to stand up and and say something um, but uh, he had very much a lar- large part to do with this I'm not going to disclose how much help he gave financially but uh, it was it was more than enough to help our, our kids go and so, Brother Grant, thank you so much. Thank you for all of your your uh, sacrifice. And, and, and some of you have came came to me after service, uh, asked me what the kids need, and wrote wrote me a check. And um, and those kids that you wrote a check for uh, um, received the Holy Ghost and are a step closer uh, uh, to um, to their salvation, and experiencing God, and having a, an experience that they'll never forget. And so, will they all grow up and live for God and do wonderful and great and mighty things? I hope so. But if they don't, they'll always remember this moment. And it's their experiences that will help them get through the times that they'll face. Amen. I read out the book of Haggai, chapter 1. If a sword drill, first one to find Haggai wins. I win. I have a table indention here. So it's a small book, but a very important book amongst the minor prophets. And minor does not mean that they're not important. Minor means that they're just short books. I like reading through them because I can read through eight of them and only read a couple chapters. So I feel like I've accomplished something. Water on myself. Haggai chapter 1, and we'll begin reading with verse 1. It says, in the second year of Darius the king in the sixth month, the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Let's speak of the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you? O ye to dwell in your sealed house, houses, and this house lie waste. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, and you have not enough. You drink, and you are not filled with drink. You are clothed, but there is none that is warm. And he that earn wages earns wages to put them in a bag with holes. Verse 7, thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. Verse 8, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 9, almost done. You look for much, and lo, it came to little, and when you brought it home, I did blow it up. Why, saith the Lord, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed with dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit, and I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains. And upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor 
of your hands. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, and you may be seated. Lord, help me this morning. Bless your word. Use it for your kingdom. Let it fall on fertile ground. Anoint me now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in fear of the Lord. I was been reading through um, uh, these uh, uh, series of uh, minor prophets here towards the end of the Old Testament. And it's uh, very interesting. They all kind of lay out the same, um, the same, what do you say, uh, structure, if you would. And a lot of them talk about the sin of Israel. As you know, and if you study the Bible, you know that Israel had a problem where they would worship God and it, it was a revolving door and then they would find another God to worship and they would commit idolatry and they would fall into sin and uh, and then God would punish them with a nation or God would punish them with some kind of um, grievous plague of some sort and then uh, 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 and then he would curse them and then they would go through this this hard time and then they uh, it would cause them to turn back to God and when they would repent God would forgive them. And this cycle went on for, uh, for a while until God finally had enough. And he said, uh, there is going to be a nation rising up um, uh, who are the Babylonians. And history foretells that they were a very ruthless nation as they went and conquered many nations in that time, including the nation of Israel. And he says that they'll, that they'll be in captivity for 70 years, but through the writing of the minor prophets, he said that there will be a remnant that will come back. And that remnant that will come back uh, uh, will build the new Jerusalem. And the new Jerusalem uh, will have a king in it that I have promised. And so um, the book of Haggai plays in the story of the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, importantly, because he talks about the rebuilding of the temple specifically. And his ministry took place in 520 B.C. He is mentioned in the book of Ezra. Uh, uh, chapter 5 and chapter 14. Uh, and if you uh, know the book of Ezra, Ezra was the one who uh, got the decree from king, uh, uh, from the king of Persia uh, to allow them to go back and begin rebuilding the temple. Babylon was, was ruling at that time, but the Medo and Persian Empire rose up. This is actually in historical text. And they rose up and they overthrew Babylon. And interestingly enough, the king of Persia allowed the children of Israel to go back and rebuild their temple and to rebuild their walls. And so Ezra takes a small group of people back to Jerusalem or what it was or what it had been. And they would begin rebuilding uh, the temple of God. Um, and uh, But then during this process, they were dragging their feet and Ezra couldn't get them to be rebuild the temple of God. And he had to call on the help of Haggai and the help of Zechariah. And so through Haggai's wor words and what he heard from the Lord, he was able to get the children of Israel to speedily finish rebuilding the temple. Ezra chapter 5 verse 8. I'm going to turn there real quick. Unless they have it up there, but if they don't. Chapter 5, verse 8, be it known unto the king that we went into the, in the providence of Judah to build uh, uh, to, to the house of the great God, which is built with great stones and timbers laid in the walls, and this work goeth fast and prospereth in their hands because of what Haggai and his encouragement to the people. 6 and 15, uh, Ezra 6 and 15 says, And this house was finished on the third day of the month Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And so the book of Haggai and his mission was one thing, and that was to help the Jewish people put their priorities in the right place. They are given a second chance by the king of Persia to rebuild the city of God. But we find in our text that something happens. And instead of rebuilding the house of God, they begin rebuilding their own homes. Haggai chapter 1 and verse 2. Let's speak the Lord of hosts saying this people say the time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. And how silly it is for a people 
who have rebelled against God and been estranged from God for 70 years to know when the time it is to build the house of God. And so the time could not come could mean two things in my mind. I thought that maybe perhaps they thought that they had plenty of time to live for God. They had plenty of time to rebuild the temple of God. And so if they had plenty of time, then right now is not the time. I'll do it later. The problem is with people who live with the mentality that the time is not come is that the time never comes. You ever had somebody tell you I'll be there in a second? Just a minute. One moment. I'll be there. I'm guilty of this. My wife was here. She'd be shouting a storm right now. Honey, can you get me uh, this or that? Sure. Babe, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. I'll, I'll hang on one second. Just got to finish this up. And then I forget. And she ends up getting it herself anyways. And so it is that those who tell God just a second, just a minute, I'll live for you soon enough. Let me just finish up what I'm doing right now. And we never get there. And the time for God never comes. And seconds become minutes, and minutes become days, and days become weeks, and weeks become months and years. And, and sometimes people never come around to living for God until it's too late and they're scrambling their last breaths on a hospital bed trying to repent and ask God to forgive them before it's too late. I admonish you, don't wait to live for God. Don't think that you have time. We are not promised tomorrow. There were people shopping in Walmart yesterday trying to catch a good sale and never thought that it would be the last time they would be alive. You are not promised tomorrow. Second Corinthians 6 and 2 says, for he says at the acceptable time, I'm reading from the New American Standard, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, tomorrow. No. Behold, yesterday. No. Behold, now. Is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. It's not that time is not come. It's that time is long overdue. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. You may not have another church service. You may not have another moment with God to repent. You may not have another moment to spend with God, you are not promised another breath. You're not promised another opportunity. That's why when Jesus was moving through the gospel, he had people flock to him by the thousands because they had the mentality that he might not come back again. I may not have another opportunity again. Did you know that history tells us that when Bartimaeus stood up and cried out to God, he was, Jesus was making his way through uh, uh, Jerusalem one last time before his crucifixion. And if Bartimaeus had not stood up and said something, he would never be put into the scriptural texts of history as receiving one of the greatest miracles. But something in, Bar in, in, in Bartimaeus understood he may not pass by again. I may not have another opportunity in church again. I cannot wait till tomorrow because tomorrow is not promised. Help me, Holy Ghost. Then for some of us, it's the exact opposite. It's not that we think we have too much time, but that we don't have enough time. As a minister and a student, leader and as a husband and a father and working full time, I, I consistently have to remind myself of this. It's 
not about having time. I've learned it's not about having time to spend with God on a daily basis. It's about making the time. Because the time is not going to come to you. And I used to tell myself years and years ago, I'm busy now. I'm in school now. It may be busy now, and I can't pray now, and I can't read my Bible now, and I can't go to church now, but it's all right. It's just a season, and it'll pass, and things won't be so busy later. But I've learned the older I get, and each year goes by, things get more busy. And there are more responsibilities And there is more pressing matters uh, on my hands. uh, And it's in these time uh, I've got to make a conscious effort uh, to make time for God. Because time is not going to make itself available for me and for you. On my bulletin board, I have this scripture that I look upon when I can. When I slow my life down long enough. uh, In Luke chapter 10 verse 41, and Jesus said unto her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. What are you talking about? I've mentioned this before that Jesus is good friends with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he comes to their home, and the Bible says that Martha receives the Lord into her house. But instead of spending time with Jesus when he is there, we find that Martha is distracted by all the preparations that she made. I'm talking about people who think they don't have enough time for God. And she was distracted, verse 40, and Martha was distracted by all the preparations to be made. And she came to Jesus because she saw her sister sitting there, and it's uncustomary that when men are in the house, that there's guests in the house, the women have to be busy getting things ready. But her sister Mary was doing something very unusual, and she was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she was listening to his teaching, and she was listening to his word. And Martha, in her frustration, said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. And it's so funny that sometimes when we think we're right uh, and the Lord lets us know, no, you're not. uh, The Lord replied, you are worried. I'm reading from the American Standard. You are worried uh, and upset about many things. You know there are people who stay busy just to stay busy. There are, I know people who stay busy just so that they don't have things going through their mind just so that they don't have to think about something or reflect on something. If they can just stay busy with this, that, and the other, and by the time they know it, it's, it's 9 o'clock and it's time for bed to, and, and wake up and to do it all over again. And he says that Mary has chosen the good part, and it will not be taken away from her. The Bible says, this is what intrigues me, that Martha received him into her house, But just because she received him into her house doesn't mean she was spending time with him. And many of us receive God into our homes. And many of us believe the gospel. And many of us believe Jesus died for us. And we accept the Lord into our heart. And we say we accept him into our lives. And we have enough picture frames that we bought from Hobby Lobby with all the wonderful quotes from the Bible. But, we, but are we spending time with him uh, on a daily basis? I know this is not exciting preaching, but I felt it in my heart uh, to rearrange uh, and help us reflect on what our priority is. My question is, God, still your number one priority. Mary was different than Martha. She sat at his feet and she listened to his word. Sitting at his feet was symbolic for prayer. And listening to his word was symbolic for spending time in the word of God. Amen. And and while Mary was doing this, Martha was distracted with much serving. With much serving. It wasn't like Martha was doing something she wasn't supposed to. She was serving, but the problem was that she was serving the wrong things. 
And what Jesus was telling Martha is that if you're not serving me and if you're not serving my kingdom, then it is distracted serving. And Martha got so busy. You ever met people like that? Serving everybody else. uh, Helping everybody else. uh, Trying to get everybody else uh, taken care of. uh, And she forgets about the one person uh, who is the most important in her life. And that's Jesus. I'm careful. I will admit, I love admitting things when my wife's not here. She never buys the tape. You'll never hear it. Ashley's a lot like Mary, Brother Grant, and she'll be, she has the ability to, say, focus on what's important. Many times, Brother Grant's asked me to preach, and, and, and instead of studying, I'd be doing this or that or, or, or trying to get this taken care of, and she'll tell me, slow down. You've got to preach in 24 hours. That's why our sound team gets my, my scripture text an hour before church. I just finished. I'm working on it, I promise. My wife will say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, 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 I'll do that. I'll mow that. You know, she doesn't mow, but, you know, I'll do, I'll do this. I'll do that. Just, just study for tomorrow. Focus on what's important. I am careful and troubled about many things. I am a lot like Martha, but only one thing is important, and only one person, God says, is the good part of your day, and that is him. And when you lay your head down at the end of the day, the question should not be, did I, did I complete that project by the deadline? Did, did I pay all of my bills today? Did I run this errand? Did I take my child to the park like I said I would? Did I mail that letter off? Did I do this, sir? Did I do that? Those things are important, but only one thing is needful when you lay your head on your pillow, and that is, did I spend the time with God like I should have? Did I reflect Jesus and show his love to those around me? Did I do everything I could to make his kingdom a priority? Because it doesn't matter what you do in your day. According to scripture, the time you spend with God will always be the best part of your day. I love date night with my wife. I love taking my daughter to the park. But there's one thing I've got to love more than that. And that is to be on my knees and seeking the face of God and his will. As a father and a husband, I cannot leave the house. I would feel guilty if I didn't cover my family with prayers of protection. And if I didn't ask God to dispatch angels. That is the most important thing. Haggai chapter 3 then came. I mean, Haggai, uh, continuing to read chapter 1. Verse 3, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, and the Lord answers them, oh, you say it's not time to build my house. Okay, here's a rhetorical question. Is it time for you to build yours? Sealed houses. You know what sealed houses are? They are fancy houses. They are nice houses. The American Standard, the the Amplified Bible says this. Is it time for you to live in your expensive paneled houses? While this house of the Lord lies in ruin. Modern day translation. Is it nice for you to have all wooden floors in your home? I'm not preaching against those things. Just giving an example. We're looking for wooden floors. Is it nice to have all wooden floors in your house and granite countertops and two garage and and two baths and four bed and a solar panel and and everything that you need, uh, but my house lies in ruin. They were satisfied. 
to live in the nice craftsmanship of their own home and dwelling in them while the temple of God lay in ruins. And remember this, that the purpose of King Darius in allowing them to come back to their land, to go back to Jerusalem, was for them to do one thing, to rebuild the temple. To rebuild the temple. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. Where's Jeremiah? He's in the Bible. Look at that. Sorry to wake you up. By the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. He said, oh, my goodness. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and put, a, put it also in writing. Who stirred up the king of Persia? The Lord. And thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he had charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Build the house of the Lord God of Israel. Build your house. Build your nice, expensive homes. No. Build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And not only that, but he said, Whosoever remain in any place where he is, let the men of his place help him. He said, I'll even give you help to build the house of God. But you know what they did with the help that they got? They built their own houses. He gave them silver. He gave them gold. He gave them goods. He gave them beasts. And the free will offering for the house of God. And they took all of that and started building their own house. And God will bless us. Not for us to be lifted up. God will bless us. Not for us to use the resources for ourselves. But God will bless you for one thing. And one thing only. That's to further his kingdom and his work. You didn't get that raise so you can improve your house. You got that raise, Brother Grant, I hope this is okay, so that a little bit more can go in the offering plate. That nice Mercedes Benz is not for you to pull around the neighborhood and let everybody see. There's somebody that needs a ride to church. And they would love to come to church in a Mercedes Benz. Don't shout me, quote Brother Ashcraft. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. He's here long enough. I'm sorry, you have a little bit of him this morning. And somewhere in along in the purpose of rebuilding the house of God, that purpose was lost. And the focus turned away from rebuilding the house of God to rebuilding their own home. And let me say that sometimes we can fall into the same trap, in the same snare. And we start off understanding that God is first and that he is foremost in our lives. And we know that he is first. But sometimes God can be, but sometimes life can get in the way. And we get opportunities of a lifetime. And the work starts to get good. And you don't understand, I'm getting paid per diem. And I'm making time and time and a half. And the work is good. And we get distracted in building our own homes and chasing our own ambitions. And we get distracted in building our own lives and we lose sight of the purpose that God called us to do. God wants you to be blessed 
and he wants you to make good money, and he wants you to have the nicest house in your neighborhood. But more than those things, he wants your spiritual house. He wants your temple. He wants his church to be the greatest it can be. Your house is good, uh, but God's got to be better. Uh, his work's got to be better. Uh, your pocketbook is big, uh, but God's church has got to be bigger. And his purpose has got to be bigger in your life. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I admonish you uh, and beseech you this morning. Uh, don't lose sight of your purpose. Uh, what is your purpose? Uh, and what is my purpose? Uh, to keep uh, his kingdom first. theme of North American Youth Congress this year. For those who have kept up on Facebook, because I did, I was jealous I couldn't be there, but I had my hands full. But their theme was, Thy Kingdom Come. Not my kingdom. Not my will. John the Baptist quote, one of the greatest uh, things a man can ever quote, I believe in my life. In the words, words of God, uh, he learned something very valuable. Uh, that if God is to increase, I must decrease. And John was in his prison. And, Herod's, and, 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 and they were about to put his head on a silver platter with an apple in it. Uh, and he sent messengers to Jesus uh, and say, hey. going to be here any minute are you the Messiah because if you're the Messiah I shouldn't be in here if you're the Messiah I should be saved this is not in my notes and Jesus sent messengers back to John the Baptist and he said and he didn't address his situation he says the lame are walking the blind eyes is raised. I mean, the blind eyes are open. The dead are coming out of their grave. And the most important thing of all, the gospel is being preached uh, to the lost. Uh, okay, that's great. What does that have anything to do with me? Uh, don't you understand? John was the forerunner for Christ. Uh, he understood every messianic scripture. And when Jesus told him that, that's all he needed to hear because he knew his purpose was fulfilled. Amen. I came for this man, for him to do this. And if I'm going to die here, let it be so. But if that's what it takes, let him increase and let me decrease. I'm not talking about your house. I'm not talking about your blessing. I'm not talking about your life. I'm talking about his. Hallelujah. 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 He's still the Messiah. He's still the Messiah. Someone hear me this. He's still the Messiah. Yeah, you're still hurt. Yeah, you're still in your situation. Amen. And you're doubting if he's the Messiah. Let me tell you, the lame are walking. The blind can see. The dead are raised. Yes, he's the Messiah. Hallelujah. And when I pray, pray this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth like it is in heaven. Oh, thank you to all. I put this in my notes because I thought it was important. Thank you to all of our Sunday school teachers. Brother Grant mentioned it this morning who labor every Sunday to teach our children the love of God. My daughter turned two. She started attending uh, uh, the, the, um, her first Sunday school class with Sister Howe and Sister Tina, and I see how much love she gets in the things that she learned, and she's learning how to pray. Thank you. Uh, thank you for putting uh, the kingdom of God first. Brother Grant mentioned this, that our kids... Some of them hadn't prayed and talked in tongues and, and prayed through in the Holy Ghost for a long time. And the videos I saw 
and the testimony I saw. I don't know if you saw what I did, but I saw them worship. Uh, I saw them. I saw them dance. Uh, I saw them. Uh, I saw them worship and and enjoy the presence of God uh, that I haven't seen them do in a long time. Uh, not only that, but two of our girls uh, got the Holy Ghost uh, for the first time. Uh, thank you, church. Uh, for putting the kingdom of God first. There was a couple that wrote me a check for, 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 for Emmy, came to me after church. Said, who needs what? I said, well, you know, Emmy, she's, uh, I, I'll try not to say so. You, you don't have to cut the tape off, but say, well, 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 how much does she need? And I said, well, she needs about $300. And he said, stand right here. Went and wrote me a check. Handed it to me. And Emmy whose home dynamics were not the best, uh, went to NAYC uh, and got to see just how big God's church is uh, and just got to feel how powerful His presence is. Uh, and every tear and every sacrifice and every fundraiser and every check all of you wrote uh, and every penny and dime and nickel that y'all put in, uh, now there's a girl who has God's Spirit dwelling inside of her uh, and she can go home uh, and I pray that it, and it will be enough. Uh, I say it'll be enough to help her live for God uh, in her home uh, with parents that don't. Thank you for putting the kingdom first. Oh, and we journey through life and we get busy and there's ups and there's downs and there's left and there's right. But don't forget what you're supposed to be building. Don't get caught up in your own home. Don't get caught up in pursuing your own ambitions and neglect the house of God. And neglect the things of God. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I feel the presence of God. Did you not know that Haggai is not just talking about a physical building? There's two chapters in the book of Haggai. The first one, he talks about a physical building. Then in chapter 2, you find a very interesting passage of Scripture where he approaches the priest and he said, Hey, um, let me ask you something. And he quotes out of the Levitical law. And he says, If a man touches something that is dead, and he puts his hands to work, uh, and he takes his, that hand and touches something else, does that make that other work dead? And the priest, knowing the Levitical law, said, "Of course, he that touches any undead, clean, uh, any, any dead thing is unclean, and so everything he touches is unclean." And Haggai throws a bomb of revelation, and he says, "So is the people of Israel." Verse fourteen. Then answered Haggai and said, "So is this people." And so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. So is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. And what Haggai is saying is that don't you understand? It's not about a physical building. It's not about a huge temple. Everything in the Old Testament foreshadows the new. And what you don't understand is that their temple, they're building with their hands in the physical, but their heart is still far from God I'm not talking about a physical church I'm talking about the temple of your heart it ain't about a physical building when he died and the veil was torn he, the blood, and I was teaching this in a Bible study. Why was the blood of Jesus Christ so important? Because that sacrifice was needed to allow the spirit of an almighty, innocent, uh, pure God to dwell inside flesh uh, that is unclean. It is the blood uh, that allows that to happen. You're building, but it doesn't matter how grand it looks if your heart is not right. I said, if your heart is not right, and it doesn't matter how beautiful the outward physical building of the temple looks, uh, but if the temple in your heart is unclean, uh, then it doesn't matter how you build. Uh, it will all be unclean. What Haggai is saying 
is that the physical temple? He finishes off in, in two chapters, and he says uh, that the physical temple is a representation of the spiritual temple that God wants to put in every believer. Stay with me. I know I'm on a time clock. They're going to fly through here, tear up the grass with that, with that van. Holy Ghost. I hope they stay out there. Don't come in here. <coughs> Amen. Because the Jews thought that it was going to be a new Jerusalem, new building, a new temple, a new king. But what they didn't realize uh, is that the new Jerusalem is not a physical building. It was going to be in their hearts. Uh, and the king that they thought was going to be glorious uh, was going to come riding on a donkey and be killed and crucified. And in doing so, there they are. Just you know, I shouldn't have said nothing. Amen. What they didn't realize was that he wanted to build a new temple here. Well, do you have scripture? First Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says in chapter six, verse nineteen, "What? No, you're not." That the temple of the, uh, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God, and you are not your own. I'm trying to tell somebody, he's not talking about a physical building. He's talking about the building of your heart. He's talking about the building of your life. He's talking about uh, the, the giving your life uh, and putting his kingdom first. Uh, that is the ultimate temple of God. Hallelujah. Don't focus on building your own home. Uh, don't chase after your own passion. Uh, but allow the spiritual man, uh, the, 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 the spiritual temple of our, of our lives to lay in ruins. That's what he's talking about. Not a physical. In that day I will write on their heart my law. In that day they will be circumcised of their heart. In that day I will fill them with my spirit. Hallelujah. Verse 5, now therefore thus saith the Lord, consider your ways, church. I admonish you, consider your ways. Don't focus so much on building your own lives, uh, doing your own things, uh, doing what you want, uh, and leaving the spiritual man uh, in ruins. Hallelujah. What happens if you do is simple. Verse 6, you have sown much, but you bring in very little. You have not enough. You drink, but you're not full. And you're still thirsty. You have clothes, but you're not warm. You earn money into your pocket, but it falls out in the holes of your pocket. And there are people we cross and brush shoulders every day that live with this mentality. And there are people who work all of their lives to retire and have nothing. Nothing to show for it. And they earn wages to put it into a bag with holes uh, that, and, and it all falls out. Uh, and they never make enough money. And they never have enough overtime. Uh, and their possessions, who is, uh, we, we, I think Brother Grant or Brother Dillard was talking about possessions. Uh, and their possessions, uh, and they never have enough. Mark chapter 10. The story of the, the rich man, and as he was setting out on a journey, who knows this story? As he was setting out on a journey, Jesus, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. 
Thou knowest the commandment, do not commit adultery. Do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Do not defraud, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. He was a Jew. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, Thou lackest one thing. Go thy way, and whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. Sell whatever thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And take up the cross and follow me. Next verse. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. You know what another translation says? For he owned much property. He kept all the commandments of the Torah. He kept all of the commandments of Moses. His physical house was wonderful. But there was one thing that he lacked. His spiritual house was in ruins. Why? Because he was busy building everything else. And he had much property. But the property of God lies in ruins. And he left it that way. And his treasure was not in heaven. His treasure was in the things that he had. Matthew 6 and 21. But you store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. His heart was in his buildings. His heart was in his property. And so my question and challenge to us this morning, where is your heart? Is it in your building or is it in his? Because where your heart is, there your treasures will be also. Hallelujah. notes. I'm not going to go through all this. Verse 8, Haggai says, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a house and I will glorify and I will take pleasure in it and I will glorify it, saith the Lord. He says, go up to the mountain. Well, that sounds like hard work. He says, get wood. That sounds like hard work. Do I got to carry the wood? And carry the wood and bring it back down the mountain and build my house. What is that saying? Building your spiritual man is not easy. Living for God is not always easy. You're not always going to want to pray. You're not always going to want to fast. You're not always going to want to read his word. You're not always going to want to come to church on a Sunday morning. You're not always going to want to do this or that for God. Uh, it's not easy, uh, but let me tell you, it will be worth it. What our kids experience in God this past week can never be taken away from them. And what you build for God will never be taken away from you. It will not rust. It will not spoil. Hallelujah. Matthew said, seek ye first the kingdom and everything else I will give you. And sometimes we get that order all mixed up. There's a beautiful story in the book of Kings. God told Elijah there was a famine in the land. You can pull it up real quick. There's a famine in the land. And the man of God is hungry. And God says that there's a widow in Zarephath. Go to her. She'll make you something to eat and it'll sustain you. A widow? Widows are poor. 
Widows don't have anything. That's why God said, watch and protect the widows and the fatherless. Because when the man is gone, the woman suffers. And the widow suffers. And Elisha shows, shows up. First Kings chapter 17. I'm going to try to hurry and finish. First Kings, let me get to it. Chapter 17. Don't have it up there. Okay, that's good. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zion, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Okay. And so he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, and she was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little bit of water that I may drink. She's in the middle of working. Man of God has two hands and two feet. He can't do it himself. No, but there's he can, but there's power in obedience. And he said, and she said, I was going to fetch it, and he called her. Oh, and by the way, that morsel of bread in your hand. Next verse. Give me that morsel of bread also. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel. And a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. And bring it unto me, and what? After. Make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord of God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the curse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. It's raining right now. See, I'm in the will of God. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal waste not, neither did the curse cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. I'm talking about putting... The kingdom of God first. It may not be much, but give it to God first. It may not be much. You may not have much, and it may be just a little bit of a meal, and it may be just a little bit of oil, but I promise you, if you give it to God first, what you give to God will not be a waste. If she had done the opposite, she wouldn't be in Scripture. But because she put the kingdom of God first, and she she fed the man of God first, the cruise of oil will not fail. I'm telling you this morning, if you put God first in all things with what you have, it will not be waste. Hallelujah, because you with your money has bought some of our kids salvation. Hallelujah. I'm closing. I'm closing with this. You can also hang on that one second. I'm closing, but I don't want you to stand just yet. I'm closing with Haggai chapter 2, verse 1 through 9. It's very interesting here. The second chapter, the closing of Haggai in the seventh month. In the one and twentieth day of the month came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory, and how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as of nothing? Okay, what is all that saying? If you read Ezra and you read the book of Haggai and Zechariah, something happens in the midst of their rebuilding process. 
the elders begin to look at the building of the temple. The people begin to look at the building of the temple and they realize something. It's not looking like how it used to look. The house of God is not looking like how it used to look in the former days. And as a matter of fact, there's a verse in Scripture where a group of them begin to praise God for the temple, but there was another group that was weeping, and you couldn't tell if they were weeping or if they were praising because because, because there's something that happens, that, and they begin to build, and they, they're looking at, at, at what was and what could have been and what was before, and they got discouraged. Verse 4. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua. And be strong, O ye people of the land, saith the Lord. And keep working. For I am with you. But God... You don't know where I've been. God, uh, you don't know what I've done. God, uh, you don't know how I've backslidden from where I used to be. And the life that I'm trying to rebuild for you uh, is looking nothing like how it used to look. That's all right. I'm with you. Someone needs to hear this morning. God is with you. You're trying to build a life for God. And there are people around you that don't support it. And there are people in your home that don't love it. And there are people, I want you to know God is with you. Keep working. Keep building. They are watching. They are listening. They are hearing. According to the word uh, that I covenant with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Uh, God said, I brought you out of Egypt. Uh, I was with you then, uh, and I'm still with you now. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, uh, for once, uh, it is a little while, uh, just a little while longer. Hang in there. Uh, keep building for God. Uh, keep living for God. Uh, keep coming to church. Uh, keep praying. Keep fasting. In a little while, I will shake. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the dry land. I will shake everything in your house. I will shake everything in your school. I will shake everything in your community. And I will shake all nations because you didn't stop building. You didn't stop putting me first. I will shake all nations and the desire of the nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. Hallelujah. Christ in us. The hope of glory. He will for your husband. He will for your wife. He will for your children. He will for your lost loved ones. Christ in them, the hope of glory. The silver is mine. It wasn't King Darius. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine. What God is saying is, if you're willing to keep building, I will keep supplying. And if King Darius won't support you, don't worry. The gold will come from somewhere. The silver will come from somewhere. I will provide for you. And they're getting discouraged. And they think that the, that the latter will never be as good as the former. And this is what I want to get to. Verse 9, a very popular verse in Scripture. And the glory of the latter house shall always be greater than the former house, saith the Lord of hosts. 
And some of you are getting discouraged because you think you've gone too far from God and he can't restore you and he can't put you back together and you're looking at what used to be and you're trying to build up what is now and it doesn't look like what you think. No, I've got a word from God. Your ladder will always, your ladder will always be greater than your former. Hey, it may not look it, look like it right now. It may look broken right now. It may look like you're trying to pick up pieces and put it together. But the promise of the Lord says when you're done, it will be greater than the former. Let's stand this morning. My husband's been on, my, been on me all week. Why are you praying like that? My children, well, there goes dad going to church. Keep building. Keep living. Keep working. Here's the revelation of scripture. God says, I'm with you. And if I'm with you, the latter end will always be greater than the former. Hallelujah. I wanted to not end this with just a prayer. I know our kids are here. They, they pulled up a little while ago. But as they play something soft, I, I want to start ending my at least my messages with, does anybody need something? Do you want Christ, the hope of glory? If you're building this house, you chase all kinds of things. You've chased all kind of things. I, I don't have time. I, I, wanted, I wanted to quote to you De Deuteronomy in chapter 28. It's, it's an incredible scripture. It's an incredible scripture where it talks about if you would put God first. It says if you would put God first. The blessing of obedience. Blessed will you be in the city. Blessed will you be in the field. Blessed will you will the fruit of your body and the fruit of, the, of your ground and the fruit of your cattle. Blessed will be your basket. Blessed will be your store. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in and when thou leavest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. I love this part. They'll come in one way and they're trying to figure out how to get out in seven different ways. Oh, hallelujah. Does anyone have, have any needs? You come to the front. We'll pray for you. If you need anything, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Keep building for God. Keep building for his kingdom. It doesn't look like how it used to be. That's all right. If God is in it, if God is in it, when he is done, it will be greater than the former. Come to the front real quick. Let's, if, if you would, if you can. The problem with asking for it is anybody have a need. People don't want to come because they don't want to be singled out. Maybe this will help some of you a little bit more. We'll finish here real quick. I promise you your ladder will be greater than your former if you keep God in it. Your ladder will be greater than it may not look at all it right now but it will be greater you will be blessed your children will be blessed your finances will be blessed your home will be blessed your basket will be blessed hallelujah 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 oh we need you Jesus Thank you, Lord.
Hallelujah.